Ben Moore has been in love with bees for as long as anyone can remember. And as far as we can tell, the feeling is entirely mutual. Although he still sometimes feels the sting of his passion. Hang around, learn a little. It's as sweet as honey and always a buzz. It's the Ultimate Pollinators Podcast with Ben, his friends and associates, and of course, Ben's Bees. Hey everyone, Bees with Ben. Got a cracking episode on this week because we're going to hear all about the transition from being a hobbyist beekeeper into a full-time commercial beekeeper and the uh, obviously the highs and lows that go with that. So we've got Matthew Peterson uh, from Dividing Creek Farm. And uh, the first question I ask Matt is what happened and how did it happen when you got first bitten by the bee bug? Ah, uh, the bee bug. Uh, that's a bit of a long, convoluted answer, that one. Probably when I was young, probably five or six, to okay. be honest. Yes. Cool. Uh, I was I was raised on a dairy farm, so we had a pretty big orchard, uh, and my father had five or six beehives all the time. So um, I suppose that's when it kicked in subconsciously. Um, I was always taught, you know, the importance of the bees in regards to the orchard. Um, and then I suppose uh, as I sort of got older, the bees, they're a little bit like, to me, they're always a bit, little bit like the farm dog. They were there, but oh, yeah. you didn't realise how much of a part of your life they were, um, I guess, until you move away from them. So, you know, as I got a little bit older, you get into other things like girls and surfing and <laughs> motorbikes, things like that. Uh and then uh, when I was 17, my father passed away. So uh, the bees were always there, and I sort of took on the role of running the farm. And I suppose the bees became more important to me then. Yeah, um, yeah I, it's a bit of a long story, I suppose. But then um, with, with the whole farm, um, yeah, I moved to Melbourne to make money so I could buy the farm and that's when I realised how much I really missed the bees and um, to fill in time in Melbourne I used to just raise nukes you know just as a fill in time but I suppose keep contact you know with the bees and the farm and that's when the bug really kicked in I suppose in my mid-20s Okay. Awesome. yeah to answer your question yeah, that's when it really really kicked in yeah awesome. and whereabouts is the farm Matt whereabouts is the farm uh, it's at Fish, Fish Creek in South Gippsland okay. Victoria yeah, right down south, just near Wilson's Prom on the coast. Yeah. Awesome. And you mentioned farms. So what, obviously, what's primarily produced um, out in the farm? Uh, so the farm now, so that farm I was raised on, dairy farm my brother took over. Um, we also had a beef farm, which okay. I now own. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I raised Angus, Angus grass-fed beef. Yep. Awesome. Now, I've got to ask you about, uh, I've got to ask you about the beef. Right now, yes. many of us are a little bit partial to a nice steak, you know what I mean? And there's, there's nothing better than a nice steak. And, and there's obviously, there's this, uh, I think it comes from Angus. You'll be able to tell us a bit about it. Um, yep. Wagyu, Wagyu, a Japanese yes. meat. Now, why is it like a, like I'd like to treat myself, you know, I've had a good week and yes. things are good and you get a nice steak. Now, why is it when you get a nice Wagyu steak, why do you yes. get the squirts? Why do you get a runny bum? Uh, well, 
uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, I, I can't say I've ever had that reaction. Uh, clearly, you're, you, you, you like your wagon quite rare. Yes, uh, that's probably what it is, yes. And it's it's the um, intermuscular fat on a wagyu is extremely high compared to a normal a normal steak, uh, and I'd say you're probably consuming some large quantities of um, slightly uncooked fat. I'd say yes, uh, very indulgent of the event. <laughs> it is. Isn't it? Well, that's one thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's a treat. You know, every every couple of months, absolutely, it's a treat. But then I sort of yeah. the next day, it's anyway. Um, moving right along <laughs> from, from that. So, so, uh, so obviously, we've got the the uh, the farm out there, and um, obviously, if you come into Melbourne. Uh, yes. What, what was your other job? Because we're going to talk about obviously the trials and tribulations and the highs and lows of uh, of being, you know, moving in the transition into being a, a full time beekeeper. But what? what yes. What's your job? What were you doing mainly uh, in Melbourne? Uh, so I moved to Melbourne uh, and I started a, an epoxy floor business. And it's and it's funny you don't realise it, but I guess I've been involved in in the food chain my whole life. Um, so I, I had an epoxy flooring business I started, which which um, my main clientele was the food industry. So so I installed hygienic floor systems um, into food processing plants, you know, abattoirs, um, and even fast food outlets. So I got to see through that job was very hard work, but um, financially quite rewarding. And through that, um, it gave me the ability to to buy the farm. So I, I guess that was always the end game, but at the same time, it's given me a real insight into the food chain um, and the bees, you know, right from the very start, right to the very end to the consumer. Um, yeah, and it's given me a lot of internal knowledge and um, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah that's, yeah. that's cool. That's awesome. And and so regards to you know, you're working, um, doing the floors, which is a hard job, I can yes. imagine, you know, on those yes. Big yes. tools and you know um, polishing floors and so forth. So so you're gradually building this bee uh, this the bee business up. Obviously, it's you know, it's a full time job in itself. I get that, but you're still yes. on the floors. So, so talk us about because a lot of people ask me the question, you know, the transition. You know, when when yes. when was that moment? Or you know, talk about the moments of going. Okay, this is the goal. Um, yes. I want to do bees full time. So, so maybe yes. t- about the time frame in in wanting to achieve that and actually achieving it. Yeah, it's a very good question. It's a tough question because I think it's probably an individual question. Um, for me, compared to a lot of commercial guys, my bee business is part of my beef business. Where so for me, it, it was it, it was a point where the, the whole reason for um, raising capital was to buy the beef farm. And the bees were always there. Um, you know, my father's few hives were always there. I had my little nuke thing going on the side. And it got to a point where, and I suppose a lot of commercial guys who who aren't generational always say this, that transition where you go, okay, the bee business is, you know, I, I've built up so many bees now, it should be full time and I'm wearing myself out, mm. but I'm not. I'm not getting enough return cash flow-wise. Um, it's a very difficult transition. And in regards to time frame, um, you know, I've only gone full-time in the last 14 months. Yep. Um, I reckon it was about a seven-year transition for me. Mm. 
Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, where where I was juggling the flooring business, the farm and the bees. Um yeah, for me I guess I really enjoy it and the farm has always been part of my life, so um I guess that's where I get the energy the energy to do it. Um, but I, I think every guy who, who like I say, is starting out and going into commercial, they all go through this transition. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so for me it was quite a long time because I guess I had to juggle the farm and the overheads in regards to the farm. Um, yeah, you just need you need capital and, and, and bees are no different to any farm. You're going to have your really good periods financially and then you're going to have your your downside where you, you you need to have backup capital or a job or something to fill in and, yes. until you get until you get that business to that side size where it can handle it yeah or yourself in a position yeah exactly so it's actually interesting Matt talking about it's almost that seven year transition because that was pretty much myself you know seven years of having another job yeah right and building yeah. up a business so that's actually because they say obviously with beekeeping it's a 10-year apprenticeship really you know yeah. and then you're, well, you're always learning so it's um but interesting so seven years and and so what was the sort of the hardest part you know transitioning into that full time oh capital yeah capital yeah okay. um and that i suppose for me, being self-employed pretty much my whole life, juggling, juggling my flooring business, um, and trying to find that balance where you, where both are getting um, equal attention, mm. you know, so they're successful. Yeah, that was really difficult. It was a really probably the last, well, the last twelve months has been okay. Um, probably the eighteen months prior to that was was quite difficult. Um, but for me, the kicker was when COVID came along and we got – and the lockdown started and they shut the borders and all that. That pretty much for me was the trigger because I had staff. Um, I had to let guys go. And for me, it was like, okay, now's the time because I don't have the energy to build this back up. So that that, that was the time. That was when I, I shrunk my flooring business and, and really kicked the B side into gear. Um, you know, yeah, started building quite a bit of infrastructure and stuff on the farm for the bees, and I thought now's the time, yes, you to, know, to bite that bullet and, yeah. and and do it full time. So, and yeah, because I lost, I lost, I had, I had quite um, a lot of interstate clientele with with the flooring business, um, and I lost all them pretty much overnight. You know, they all require maintenance, and and, and they all get you know audited and. Um, you know, with, without me being able to be there, they have to get someone else. And, and pretty much in an industry, it's pretty cutthroat. So mm. I, I thought, you know, now's the time. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and so what about with the the actual bees and the bee business? Uh, yes. What would, you, what would you say has been the biggest high for you and the biggest low? Oh, the biggest high? Biggest high for me is, well, it's a tough question because there's so many. Biggest high for me is, is seeing people consume your product yes, okay. and really enjoy it. That's, I get a real kick out of that. Okay. You know, you work so hard to produce, you know, a really, really good product. And when you actually get that reward of seeing people consume it and really enjoy it, 
um, that's the biggest high for me, I yeah, think. Love it. Yeah. Um, the biggest low was probably this season when I lost about 40% of my highs in a flash flood overnight. That was probably the biggest single low yeah. of, of the whole time I've had bees. Yeah, that was tough. Tell us about that. So what happened there? So, um, you know, losing those oh, it's a, it's a Yeah, so I had bees set up um, to go onto red gum. Um, so I had two loads, 120 hives, sort of on a, uh, on a creek bed, just, just in the goldfields area in Victoria, around Bendigo. Yeah. Um, and just a, just a freak swarm, um, storm cell, probably 20 k's upstream, just up a dry creek bed. Um, yeah, they got about 70 mil, just under three inches of rain in 20 minutes. Oh, no. And um, nobody knew it was coming, and that was it. Um, it didn't even rain where the bees were. And it was about a four-metre four meter flood wall came through and demolished my bees. Um, yeah, I lost everything. I, I think we recovered about four boxes, and, yeah, no bees survived. Um, we, we, we're still finding boxes up to 15 k's downstream, so. No way. Yeah, so that was pretty devastating, um, and obviously I'm still recovering from that. But you know, I'm not I'm not a big commercial beekeeper by any standard, so you know, yeah, it was a pretty big hit. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, to, to go through that, and particularly, you know, it's like your they're your pets. You know, I mean, the, the bees. You know, I mean, you're, you're nurturing. Yeah, they, yeah, 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 they are. You know, I treat them like my cattle. They they become part of your life, and it's um. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yep. Yeah, it's a, but it's like any farming; you've just got to get up and keep going. Yeah, chin, you know, chin up, onwards and upwards. Yeah, you just got to, as they say, you know, you only get a sore neck looking backwards. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, mm. so true. So now you um, use a different type of hive. Now a lot of people. Uh, haven't really sort of well, a lot of people haven't heard of these, and these are really interesting. Um, so yep. they're called Technoset. So, so tell us all about why you're using them. Um, maybe you know, obviously, all the positives. If there's any, if, yep. If there's any negatives, and and talk us about why you use Technoset beehives. Uh, it's funny. So I sort of accidentally stumbled across Technoset. Um, I was trialing, I was trialing a lot of hives. Um, you know, Nuplus. The Parker ones, you know, they're a solid plastic hive. Um, obviously, the timber. Um, and the reason I was going for the plastic side was um, down in South Gippie, we have really high humidity and a lot of rain. Um, so bees are subject to damp a lot and cold. Um, I didn't want to go down the poly hive side because, for me, they're just not tough enough for a commercial setting. That That's just me. Yeah. Um, Things get a bit rough and tumble sometimes. Um, I went to Greece uh, on a holiday with with my wife and um, saw some bees on the side of the road and they'll take no set. And I stopped, obviously, and as you do. Uh, I got talking, had a look, and went, wow, these are, these are amazing. They're, they're a plastic hive, a, a food-grade polypropylene, um, but they're double-skinned, they're, they're hollow, um, and they've got an insulated sheet in in, in, in between. So okay. it was it, it just ticked every box. They're really tough. Um, they drain they they drain all the condensation inside the walls, and they're insulated. Um, 
the other thing too is is they're a ten frame box and they they they're exact same size as timber. So for me, it was like, well, we'll get some of these back in Australia, and you know, I, I can mix and match with timber. Um, so, so that's why it was, yeah. Um, does, does that make sense? It yeah, was all sort of yeah. to do with the, I guess, the, the environment in South Gippsland. Even though I migrate my bees around, um, they generally end up down there in winter on the coast, you know, in wet conditions. And it's, yeah, for me, it was paramount. I tried to find something that they would handle that, That's you know, for a long time. It's, it's interesting you just mentioned about the having like a insulated, so two skins with it's, with some insulation in the middle because I think a lot of other yep. plastic hives, there's a few few out there, they're just a solid wall, aren't they? Um, yeah, they're solid. Yeah. And so in that environment, condensation is a real problem. They condensate on the inside of the wall, um, whereas these condensate in the middle and they've got they've got drain holes in them, yeah. and. I, I call them Lego Lego for beehives because that <laughs> yeah. everything clicks together like Lego. That it's really well designed. Um, yeah, I, I, I have found one downside since I've sort of gone migratory and commercial, and that is the sides of the boxes aren't straight. They sort of bow out wider in the middle, and then and then back in at the top. So when you're budding them all together, like your honey supers on a, on a pallet, for example, they don't sit flush. So they bounce around a bit in the truck. So what I've been doing over the last couple of years is transitioning um, to timber supers. Okay, cool. And it's worked really well because obviously in the winter, the majority of my supers are in the shed. Um, and, and that's working really, really well. But I do get that benefit if I do shut down in winter on the coast. They're in that brood box, you know, in that techno set brood box. So, so it's working really well. Yeah, I love them. Um, yeah, I, I, I tested a box that I brought back. It's still sitting on my roof in Melbourne okay. in a north-facing north facing, um, spot, complete sun, summer, summer and winter. And it's been there, I think, for about nearly 10 years. And it's still in perfect condition. That's interesting. And the bees are still surviving. That's awesome. I love that. And when I think of Greece, you know, I think of hot, dry weather. So, so correct. Yeah. Very similar to here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, it's very similar to here. Really hot, dry summers and cold winters for me. You know, we we have bitterly cold winters down there. So, um, yeah. For me, it was like, well, you know what? They work here. They should work. In Melbourne, yeah. you know, when I was in Greece, yeah, yeah, because I wouldn't. So, say, at, yeah, sorry. yeah. They and they're extremely tough. Um, you know, the reason I I found out that they don't sit too well on a pallet is, <laughs> uh, you know, I've had I've had a whole I've had a whole pallet worth slip off the truck before in the paddock, um, and I've never broken a box, and they're full of honey. So that just shows you how tough they are. Yeah. You know, even a timber will break oh, doing that. Oh, of course. It will. Yeah, exactly with the weight. Is, is there any other, do you know of any other commercial beekeepers using the techno set hives? No, I don't. But I think, I think there's some in WA use them, but I don't know who they actually are. I just know a fair few have been sent there, but they're, they're really big in New Zealand. Ah, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they use them a lot in New Zealand. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, they're a great company, and I, and I, yeah. You know, I haven't I haven't brought any over for a while, but um, they're a great company. Yeah, they they're always innovating. They they 
yeah, it's funny. They come with, you know, you can get feeders and splitter kits and, you know, vented bases, solid bases, yeah, feed, just anything basically you can get for a beehive. They they have them fitted like Lego. Interesting. Everything's simple, yeah. Now, Matt, you just mentioned about um, ventilated or solid bases. Now, this is a bit of a bit of one of those yes. ones um, in amongst the industry, you know, it's a bit like Holden and yep. Ford. Um, yes. Are you a ventilated base man? Or yes. A, yes, you are. Why is that? Uh, for me, it's that whole humidity thing again. Um, for no other reason. Yes. Okay. Yeah, the whole hive beetle thing and all that. Well, for me, you know, keep strong hives. Hive beetles aren't really a problem for for us down here. I mean, some of the coastal stuff in New South Wales is a bit different, but but for me, it's about the humidity. Yeah. Um, they over they over winter in them. I don't have any problem with them over winter in anywhere with the vented bases. Um, yeah, so 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 that's me. All my hives have vented bases. Yes, yep. yeah. It seems to be a big thing within industry now that a lot of people are going for these ventilated bases. Really, you know, I'm the same, and it's um, yeah becoming more and more popular. I think um, obviously. Yeah, look, you know, for me, I think if you work in a lot of wet areas, it's it's they're really important. Um, the downside is, is things like like where I'm now, you know, I've got my bees up um, northwest and central Victoria, you know, um, ants and stuff can get in, so the bees, bees have more little holes to defend, but, you know, that's only one little downside that I can see with them. Um, other than that, yeah, for me it's about airflow. Interesting. And now you mentioned, obviously, a migratory beekeeper, Matt, so, you know, moving bees around. Tell us yep. about what you do uh, to move them, lift them, and, and how you go about it. Yep. Uh, I, yep. Um, so, I'm, you know, I, I do, a, like most guys, uh, I do a, a lot of kilometres to find honey. Um, for me, probably more than your average guy because South Gippsland, where my farm is, is traditionally not. Um, we have a very short season and and our honey season is probably only one in every three, four years where we get our local stringy bark flower. Um, other than your annual sort of bank shears and clover, it's not a traditional beekeeping area. So I travel a lot. Um, and for me, you know, I've only got a few hundred hives. So I use a trailer that I, I use an easy loader. Um, yeah, I use a little easy loader on a trailer and I've just got a little Isuzu truck. So... Yeah, that's how I move everything around. And, and tell us about the easy loader. So, uh, <coughs> why did you go that? And what what particular model did you get? Uh, I've got the the smallest one, the one two five. I've got the auto level. Um, the reason I went with that is, and I put it on the trailer. And the the reason uh, it's sort of twofold. One is fuel economy because I can put it on the back of a Ute or or you know something that's a bit more fuel efficient than the truck if I'm just picking up supers. Um, the other thing is when it's wet, you know, we we don't use a truck, you know, use a ute and you can get it into most areas. Um, that's one reason. The other reason is save the back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit slower than, you know, like you can go in and pick up 20 or 40 supers by hand very quickly. Um, but you're going to pay for it when you get older. And for me, Coming out of that flooring industry, you know, I've probably, I've probably got the body of an old man, so I tend to try and look after myself a bit. So yeah, the easy way is really good, especially under supering or 
you know, you can have three full supers on a hive and pick them up, you know, and, and hang them in the air with, 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 with no impact on your back or the bees and do a brood inspection or under super or, you know, and, and do all this by yourself. They're, they're, they're a great tool. Would you, would you recommend, you know, someone getting, like at what point should someone, you know, obviously getting into a bee business, should they invest the money into getting an easy loader? Because they're not cheap, you know, the, the uh, auto loaders. No, they're not. No. Um, okay, so I bought my easy loader in 2018, I think, so going on four years ago. So prior to that, I was... I was putting bees on any trailer I could find yeah. by hand. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I, I think it's an individual thing, but you'll get to a point where you go, "This is too much. This is silly." Um, I think it's that transition. I, I think once you probably crack, you know, 120, 150 hives, I think you need either someone to help you or you need a tool like that. I really do. You, you'll kill yourself. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's a yeah, very good point. And and with the now the auto leveler, we've had this yes. discussion before. Uh, as we have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have. It's um, spending. I think on the smaller model, the extra, I think it's about ten grand more for the hydraulic yep. uh, auto leveler. Um, yes. Do you recommend that? Uh, yes, I'm glad I spent the extra money. Um, it has its downsides, extremely heavy. Yes. So there's a lot of stress on your frame. You really need to engineer whatever you're bolting it to to allow for that. Um, I, I think the auto level model is about two or three times heavier. Okay, yep. Um, but I definitely recommend it because when you're under the pump, you can just push a button. And for me, I work on some fairly undulating country. And um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend bolting on auto level onto the back of a ute or something because um, yes. they are very heavy. But, yeah, for me, who uses it most days of the week, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I spent extra money. It's an, it's an interesting one. It's interesting because I'll, I'll, uh, I'll jump in and tell the listeners, uh, a couple of years ago, I bought one and I thought, you know what, I'm going to save, save the money and get the manual leveler. And yep. and I <laughs> I wrestled with I wrestled with that and me and me and Matt had conversations about it and he's calling me an idiot I should have got the uh, the auto leveler and I'm saying I'm an idiot I should have listened to you Matt and uh, I thought no, I'll save <laughs> I don't know what, I, I don't know what I've done with the ten grand I saved I think it went overseas or something <laughs> that was probably yeah. my, my logic but I probably wish I didn't because the manual leveler I find it's a real it's a, I think it was about sixteen seventeen thousand for the um the the manual leveler. And it's really, yeah, yeah, and I think it's about twenty six, twenty eight thereabouts for the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite a, that's quite a jump. Mm. It's a, yep. it's a big jump, but I think people, you know, are going to transition. You know, if you got to get a you know a farmer's loan or a personal loan or whatever yeah. to do that, I do recommend um, the auto level. I've got one now myself, and it's just yeah. Look, well, yeah, I, yeah. I, I run with this theory, and and it's interesting to to your original question in regards to equipment and, and transitioning. Um, I always say, take your time and do it right. Mm. Yeah, now, whether that be, be husbandry, your equipment, buy the best equipment you can possibly afford. Yeah, totally agree. Um, if it means stretching yourself a little bit, you know, you have to weigh up. Can I afford it when things are down? Mm. You know, that's probably where 
your budget needs to be, but buy the best you possibly can. Yeah, that that would be any advice I can give to anyone transitioning. Yeah, you know, if it means you got to wait, well, wait. Yes. you won't regret it. And, and if you're like me, you know, talk to beekeepers and get their advice, but <laughs> listen to them because I should have listened to Matt. Because <laughs> I should have listened. So no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on holiday. Use that other ten grand, but no, I should have listened to it. But anyway, I've got one now, so works a treat. Yeah, now. you've got one now. Yes. Oh, yeah. Happy oh, days now. Happy yep. days. Oh, you press a couple of buttons and you know, e- 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 it's there and it's you know, press level. They and, are a fantastic oh, tool. Oh, they yep. Are. Do, do, you think, yep. do you think you'll ever go pellets? Is that sort of something? Yeah. yeah what's what's yes. your thoughts there? Tell us about that. I, I think I'll never, ever get rid of the easy loader, ever. It's a great tool for doing for doing honey. Um, at the same time, my easy loader is not big enough to pelletise my bees in regards to migrating the bees around. So I I think I'll end up I'll end up with a with an event or you know a bee loader. And my bees on pallets, yep, for migrating the bees around, and then and then still use that, still use that easy loader and trailer um, to do honey. Yeah, yep, awesome. Um, but that's an ideal world and a very spoilt world if you can do both. And but that's where I'd like to be at. Yep. Yeah, that's um, that's that's cool because it's a bit um, yeah, it's a big transition, then, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's like those you know, stepping stones. It is. It's like you're starting again. It's another investment. You know, what's an event that? 45, 50 grand, you know, yeah, um, for a multi one or whatever. For a second hand yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's quite a, a leap again, but that's, that's, that's where I'd like to get to. Um, and the same deal, they, they allow you to take a truck and quite a few bees to a site, and even if it's wet, you know, you can still get them in with one of those little machines. So, mm. yeah, that, that would be an ideal position for me. Yeah, that, no, that's, that's cool. Now, now I'm going to put in the um, the show notes your Facebook page. Um, so I'm going to chuck that in there. And, and now uh, we're going to talk about something you've been working on and just uh, which is super, super exciting. The shop we'll talk about it in a second. But um, you've got a website, Matt? Is that up and running? Uh, not yet. No, just, just, just on Facebook for the minute. Okay. Yeah, I'm a bit slow with all that sort of stuff. <laughs> no, 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 all good. Because what I'll do is I'll put in the show notes um, your Facebook page so people can come and see what you do because you put some really yep. cool videos of you, you know, just I think just the other day or you uh, work in the Mali and just um, yep. your bees actually see, you know, people will be able to see the actual Technoset uh, hives that you're using. Yep. So I'll put that in. But you've been working, um, you know, absolutely full on doing something very exciting. So, so tell us about the shop. Yeah, uh, well, I, I suppose it goes right back to that whole thing with the farm where um, uh, the, the farm is now in a position where I guess the cattle, they sort of just, they, they, they pay for the running costs of the farm, if that makes sense. You know, farms cost a lot of money. Um, so I, I had to get to a point where I thought, well, how do I get an income? And, and the bees have been that perfect, perfect thing. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll never proclaim to be a, an environmentalist. Uh, my father would never have either, but the reality is, is both of us probably are. Um, the farm is a balance of virgin bush and and grazing property. So, so a, a, as a grazing production, it's, it, it, it's not at its full potential, but, you know, environmentally, it's an extremely highly sustainable farm. Um, but I needed to, I guess, 
um, uh, find a way to get a financial return out of those trees. And the bees have been the godsend. Um, and then to value add, you know, I've never been big enough, I suppose, to, to make an income selling honey to honey packets. So I've always retailed just locally my honey. Um, and then that's when that's when the thought of, you know what, which which showcase this and um, really cranked this up. So so I've built a I built a purpose built facility on the farm with all new extraction plant um, and a honey shop which is adjoined to it. Um, big windows so people can see the whole honey extraction process from the shop. Um, I'm not sure if it's been done before. It's quite risky um, opening up a commercial extraction plant to the public, but um, I think it's very important people see where their food comes from and in an extremely sustainable fashion. Um, I've built the whole thing off plant, off, off grid. The whole thing's solar powered. Wow, that's awesome. And, um, so cool. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I, I think it's very important. The public see where their food comes from. But, you know, having a background in the food chain industry, you, you see the positives and negatives of, of food in its raw, you know, um, where it's produced and then you see the end product. Sometimes it's really positive, sometimes it's really disappointing. And for me, it's let's really showcase the honey industry and, you know, the, the quality product that we do produce here in Australia. Yeah. That's that's exciting. So so once again, so for the listeners, um, so, yep. uh, I'm going to put in the show notes your Facebook page because uh, obviously we're yep. recording this in um, you know, sort of mid-February. So when's the – you're going to have a open day? When's the, the launch day uh, as far as opening up the shop to the uh, general public, man? Yeah, well, uh, I think we're going to have a soft opening over the um, Labor Day long weekend um, and then pretty much open every weekend after that probably through until June, um, and then we'll really crank it up come spring. Yes, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. It's a, you know, it's a bit daunting for me, um, just being a sort of farmer guy, but uh, it's really exciting. It's very important to me to show um, to show the public, you know, they come and see exactly the whole process, yeah. Exactly. And the other thing is, too, it's great for – Obviously, the industry, it's great for tourism because you know, Gippsland is yep. such an awesome area and, and I've driven through Fish <coughs> Creek and it's just, yep. cool, you know, a beautiful part you know, of the world. You know, it, it, it is, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm extremely fortunate. The, prop, the property has um, extraordinary views over Wilson's Promontory and the coast and, um, and 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 we're on the promontory road, so anybody travelling to Wilson's Promontory drives straight past my farm. Um, so I'm in a very good position in regards to um, um, that that tourism that that tourism market. And and I thought this is how I can value add a product and 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 get a return that makes makes the farm quite viable. Um, and it's meant yeah that full time. Um, full full time business, yeah. That's so awesome. that's that's the final transition for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, will it just be honey? Like, uh, obviously, with the uh, the uh, the livestock, the cattle, will you be doing any yep. any sort of sales? You know, sort of meat sales with that? No, I won't. No. So most of my cattle I raise grass fed until they're about twelve to fourteen months old, um, and then they usually they usually move on to to restockers. Um, 
or other people who grow them out. So, so no, I don't. I won't be doing meat sales. It's a whole other, whole other game. Um, and I don't think I have enough years in my life to set that up. But um, it's um, you know, people get to see the cattle grazing around and doing their thing, being happy. Um, yeah. So, I think the the cattle get to enjoy their life on my farm. That's awesome. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. And, and so with the uh, so with the shop, so um, well obviously when it's um, it's open, so you're obviously selling honey. So you'll be selling a few other things as well inside the shop. Um, yeah, just uh, the honey and um, honey and you know your wax products, your candles. Um, uh, yeah, we do. Um, I've outsourced a lady who who produces the honeycomb chocolate for me. Just a few lollipops and. Um, yeah, we've got a bit of a um, photo gallery there. We've got live bees there. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's it's more educational, um, and yeah, it, it it is primarily all about honey. Yeah, and education to show people where their honey comes from and the effort it takes to produce it, and and the importance of bees in that whole food chain. Mm. You know, whether that be, and people sort of don't realise the indirect impact, whether that be for seed production for, you know, canola or whether it be for your fruit crops, you know, your food crops, that's what this facility is all about. It's about someone coming in knowing nothing and walking out with at least some knowledge but a conscious, a conscious thought about, um, what it takes to put food on the table, mm. you know, and where it actually comes from, you know, the, from a farmer's perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. That's um, that's awesome. And, and last question, Matt. Um, yep. So, what's over the next um, five years? What's the what's the plans or, or goals? Oh, the next five years is get this whole thing settled and stop building stuff. Just <laughs> yes. try and hopefully in five years get back to what I would call a normal life, yeah. <laughs> just try and just let it settle and mellow and do its thing. Hopefully hopefully it builds up to something, you know, really, like I say, sustainable, and I keep saying that word, but sustainable economically as well as environmentally, yeah. I, I, I really want this thing to go ahead and and do well and employ some, employ some older people and some local kids and, you know, get it rolling, yeah, that's the next five years is really just put energy into the farm and, and, and more energy into the base, yeah. yeah no. And just enjoy it. Enjoy it. I love it. It's, um, it's a great industry to be in. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, you just mentioned, you know, a normal life. I don't know if there's such thing being a beekeeper, <laughs> having a normal life. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a normal life for me. Yeah. Um, it's a normal life for me. It's just, um, yeah, getting out of that building industry game, and just just focusing one hundred percent on the farm, which it, which you know, when I say the farm, the farm is the bees. You know, yes. just yeah, just being able to go out bush and not have to worry about anything else but the bees is yeah, a good feeling. That's that's absolutely awesome. Well, Matt, that was absolutely thank you so much for your time. That was absolutely brilliant. You know, the insight into uh, you know uh, starting off as a you know, hobbyist beekeeper and into a full-time beekeeper and now, you know, a shop, which is absolutely awesome. So thank you so much for your time. No, thanks for having me. That was all. Awesome. We'll catch up soon. You take care. Good on you, Ben. Thanks, mate. Take care. Bye for now. Bye.
How awesome was that episode talking to Matt about, you know, being a commercial beekeeper uh, and hearing those highs and lows, you know, oh, my heart absolutely goes out for him for when uh, those bees, you know, putting him on the bank of a, of a dry creek bed and obviously this, you know, freak um, storm cell comes through and obviously the, all those hives get washed away. So, oh, absolutely devastating, especially all the work that Matt does, you know, looking after those bees. Can you see in these videos, um, which I'll put in the show notes, Dividing Creek Farm, his Facebook page. He's actually working on a few things now, like his website. So, but he'll be putting up those updates on his Facebook page. We will be able to hear about that. So um, very, very fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. It was an absolute brilliant episode hearing all um, about being a, being a full-time beekeeper, which is really, really cool. And thank you so much for the listener. Really appreciate your time listening to this podcast. And don't forget, if you want to hear someone, don't forget to shoot me from a text message, 0437077792. Shoot that message through. Uh, or, you know, any feedback. You know, how can I make it better? Um, I'm sort of getting better as far as editing the podcast and slowly uh, we're sort of working that out. So, um, but yeah, no, this is for you, the people. And uh, I've got some really cool episodes coming up, uh, very different ones. So stay tuned and thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, if you've got a spare 60 seconds, if you don't mind, you know, jump on to uh, the, the Apple podcast and uh, give me a review. That would be absolutely awesome. So we can share this podcast far and wide because i'm making it free so this is going to be no i get people ask me i want to mention you know i'm not doing any paid advertisements on it super important you know i mean this is going to be a free platform happy to talk to businesses you know what i mean who like you know i've got ecrotech coming up soon uh so you know various businesses so happy to talk to them but now this is a free podcast because this is for you the listener until next time stay safe look after yourself and each other and look after your bees